I V M. In 74 years of the NBA, only 12 teams had overturned a 3-1 series deficit. The Denver Nuggets have done that now twice in consecutive series. I'm Monish and as always I'm joined here by Nishant as we look back at a scintillating day of basketball. We'll be talking all about the Nuggets and the great choke job by the LA Clippers. Should we call them the LA Chokers now? Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went entirely missing. We also had the Eastern Conference Final. Miami Heat and the Celtics put on a show for the ages. Bam Adebayo, what a block to end the game. All that and more on today's episode. Hey Nishan, what a great day. The Clippers <laughs> going missing. <laughs> Look on one hand, I'm disappointed that we don't get an LA derby in the finals, which I think would have been the best possible clash. But but given how Denver have played, can anyone argue against them now and say um, say that in fact it's it's the Lakers against Denver that should be the the clash that everyone's talking about? Because even more than well, the Lakers have gone about their work quietly and efficiently with two back to back gentlemen sweeps in the first round and the semifinals. Nuggets have given us the drama. If this was if I were a producer like a big boss kind of guy looking for the best content, it's Denver any day. If I were Lalit Modi putting together the most dramatic Sunday entertainment, it's it's the Nuggets any day. So, so I guess it's not all that bad. We didn't get the LA Derby, but we've got plenty of stories anyway. But oh wow, the Clippers choked. Um, I've seen them do this before. Never <laughs> thought it'll happen with Kawhi Leonard. I I have zero faith in Paul George, or as he calls himself, playoff P, or as Twitter's calling him today, way off P, or as I'm calling him, pandemic <laughs> P. I had zero faith in that guy in the postseason. But a Kawhi team capitulating like this, this I never thought. Because I've seen this before. It, it's deja vu with the Clippers. It's uh, it's Lob City all over again. It's it's Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and all those boys all over again. Every time they have a they have a really good guard or a wing defender, they have one mercurial superstar kind of talent. They have one amazing sixth man. It was Lou Williams this time. It was um, Jamal Crawford the previous time. Same as coach. Same damn capitulation, same 3-1 lead blown. Wow, this team sucks. Yeah, like you said, the Clippers are 0-8 and when it comes to sealing of playoff uh, conference final, which they have never been to. Meanwhile, the Denver Nuggets are 6-0 and in elimination games this season. If there's one thing that I've learned this season, it's not to write the Denver Nuggets off because they were down 15 points in Game 5 against Utah. They turned it out. They came back and won that game, won the next two as well, reached the Clippers, uh, reached the finals, semi-finals against the Clippers. And the Clippers got a big win in game one and we thought, okay, this is going to be Clippers in four. Denver came out and won a game. We thought, okay, this is going to be Clippers in five. Clippers went and led 3-1 and we're like, okay, this is a matter of closing out the series. Denver overturning a 16-point lead in game five, won that game. Overturned a 16-point lead in game six, they won that game. Overturned a 12-point lead yesterday and they won that game as well. And wow, I mean... There is no other team that deserves it more to be there than the Nuggets. Uh, if you put on such incredible performances, yes, you have to be there in the finals. And uh, I don't think they're going to keep the... Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make it easy for the Lakers either. I mean, Lakers might come out and win the first game, as always. Clip uh, The Nuggets might trail at halftime in every single game. But for a matter of fact, we know that the Nuggets are not going to go down without, fight, without a fight. Yeah, actually, the first game is a bit... It's intriguing because both these teams have not started their series very well. 
Lakers dropped both their first games and then romped home after that. A gentleman's sweep, as they call it, in five games. Nuggets drop a bunch of games to start each series and, and then they wake up and they kind of figure out their uh, their adjustments and their, their fine-tuning. So I don't know if game one is anyone's guess uh, who's going to take it. Um, I know we shouldn't be writing the Nuggets off if there's anything we've learned in these playoffs. It's that um, backs to the wall, under pressure, nobody delivers like the Denver Nuggets. They're playing phenomenal basketball and yet, for good reason, uh, I actually think it's going to be Lakers in five. It's not even going to be close. Well, that is what the odds are favoring them for. But I think it would have changed entirely after the series yesterday, right? What in, what great superstars these guys have. Jamal Murray putting up 40 points yet again, shooting. Okay, here's a stat. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams and Marcus Morris took 30, 58 shots in total and scored 15. Jamal Murray himself scored 15 out of just 26 shots. And that is the game for you. 6 out of 13 from 3, 15 points. I'm not even getting Nikola Jokic yet because that guy had a monster game. But this guy, Jamal Murray, he's been shooting. Uh, he had Kawhi Leonard guard him yesterday for most part. He had Paul George guard him. He was getting past everyone shooting those threes. Like He was playing it like a backyard game, right? He was off balance and he was shooting threes, whereas Kawhi Leonard couldn't get a three off. Paul George was hitting the sideboard with intense accuracy. This guy is a superstar now. Yeah, and... Paul George and Kawhi Leonard had all-time bad games and we'll talk about that. That was atrocious. Game 7 of a conference semi-finals and uh, you want to get to the conference finals for the first time in the franchise's history and maybe the third or fourth time in your own career's past and that's the performance you put up. After you drop all those New Balance commercials that say this is Kawhi Town, Lake Los Angeles is your town and you got that cute little... Um, King keychain hanging from your car and that's the Game 7 performance you put up. How many? I, I lost my mind when, when analysts started calling Kawhi the most clutch player ever and they put him ahead of Kobe in clutch. I, are you kidding me? The Black Mamba was a killer, killer in, in deciding games and games that mattered. This guy had 14 points. Let me put that into perspective. He matched Gary Harris in scoring. He matched <laughs> Jeremy Grant in scoring and that's as best as anyone can say about his performance. And just, I think this is, it's telling, right? Because this is the first time in Kawhi's career that he's been under the spotlight, under the scanner this much. He's always been the underdog before this. In San Antonio, that team had Tim Duncan and a bunch of other guys. He wasn't even in the top two on that franchise. Forget in the series. And he kind of had his comeuppance there. And great, well done. Then when he won with Toronto... Nobody gave them a chance. Even in the finals, after they got there, nobody gave them a chance. It wasn't until KD dropped dead um, that anyone thought Toronto really had a genuine chance in, in the series because they knew the second KD comes back, it's over. And for a brief nine minutes, he gave them all kinds of nightmare flashes before the, uh, before the muscle gave away and he had to go away. Rant. This is the first time that Kawhi Leonard has been looked at as a superstar that absolutely needs to deliver. It wasn't even expected of, him, expected of him against Philly last year. But now, when you're the face of the franchise, when they've given up every tra- trade and draft pick they have till 2027 to get Paul George, only because you said you will come only then. They do all of this. People are touting you to be the best player in basketball or right up there and the most clutch guy and cyborg and you're automatic and all of that. Well, oops. Um, with With my little... Limited computer knowledge. I know that when you write code, you either have a compilation error or an execution error. I don't know what this guy compiled, but man, that execution sucked. 
um, miserable, just brick shooting all around. There's really no excuse for this. He he took bad shots. He uh, he had some open shots that he could have taken where he chose to either dribble and then hand it off or or kick it out. It's just inexplicable decision making. Which which for me is Kawhi Leonard crumbled in this game. He didn't show up. He crumbled under the pressure. It's okay. It happens to the best of them. We've seen pretty much anyone ever in the goat conversation have games like these, but it did happen. The cyborg did fail to show up. Now the the now back to the thank you for the detour, but now back to the uh, the Nuggets boys. Jamal Murray, listen, he's he's done this a bunch of times now, and it's too many times now that. We can't write it off as a fluke anymore. This guy's legit. We've said this once before, but we might as well repeat it. He's legit. He's here to stay. He's incredible. But this entire series, this game and this entire series, for me, was dictated, orchestrated, controlled, uh, and affected by the Joker. This was Nikola Jokic's statement series. He dropped a triple-double, 16, 22, and 13. And it's the first time anyone's had a 20-plus rebound triple-double in a, in a Game 7 of any series. Random filtered stat. What I appreciate about Jokic's game, and, and I'll link this back to the LA Clippers of 2015, the same LA Clippers that fucked up a 3-1 lead back then also. So they did this twice in the last five years. This was an LA Clippers with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, blah, 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 blah. Blake Griffin, um, a high draft pick, highly touted prospect, amazing dunker. Great big man. When he first entered the league, he was kind of like a more athletic AD, a slightly more athletic AD, a big time dunker, etc. He didn't have AD's shooting game, but but he was in that mold. And people said right now he plays the game at a breakneck speed, kind of like Jamorant today or, or Zion Williamson, right? These guys play at a frenzied breakneck speed, which is not sustainable. And they said it's going to get frightening. When Blake Griffin learns to slow the game down, start reading the game more, because that's when you're going to think and analyze and make decisions more. Right now, you're just playing on adrenaline and impulse. That didn't quite work out for Blake Griffin, and the Clippers screwed it up in the in the semifinals. But with Jokic, you're actually seeing that prophecy come true. Because he's calm as all hell. He knows how to slow the game down. In fact, let's let's face it. He is slow. He doesn't slow the game down. He's slow. He says it himself. When asked, he says, I'm not fast. Like, I don't have a choice. I do play at this tempo. That's just my normal game. He lets the entire game's tempo come to him and play as per his speed, not the other way around. That includes the opposition. Everyone adjusts to the Joker's tempo. And that puts everyone off balance. This entire series, the last three wins that the Denver Nuggets put together were just basically them hitting pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. And even though they knew what was coming, there was nothing that the Clippers defense could do to stop it. If anyone watches football, it's kind of like Bayern uh, Bayern Munich back in the day. You have Ribery on one flank, you have Robin on the other flank. You know exactly what they're going to do. With Robin, it's all the more predictable. He's going to run, 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 cut back inside, left foot, shoot. Every time, you know, that's what's going to happen and you can't stop it anyway. It was like that. They just hit them. That one pick and roll is so devastating uh, that the Clippers just lost the ball game there. Anything. You look at their points in the paint, you look at their open three-point shots, all of them one way or another were created by the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic pick and roll. And then Jokic dishing out to, to the best, highest probability open shot taker. 
So this was uh, this was an unbelievable performance. This team should be proud of themselves. This coach is highly underrated. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed his post-match press conferences and the way he breaks the game down. Um, I I can only wait and see what these guys do next season. Why do I say that? Because I think it's going to be Lakers in five. <laughs> That's a nice uh, nice explanation to say Lakers in five at the end. But yeah, like you said, Nikola Jokic, he all he did was. Hold up the ball, have Clippers uh, do a double team him or even triple team him, and out of nowhere finds an open man. How good were uh, Jeremy Grant and Gary Harris? Because they scored 28 points, 11 rebounds. All of the defensive work doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but they were absolute dogs in defense, right? I mean, the Clippers are supposed to be the dogs, but these guys were not letting the Clippers have any easy shots. Like I said, the Clippers had a very, very terrible shooting night. the top four of them sh- shooting 58 times getting just what 15 shots on target <laughs> that's like that's incredible defense i mean we spoken all about the clippers depth and all that but it's the nuggets depth that uh, that are showing i mean the top five are great uh, at the end you have michael porter junior come out and take seven rebounds you have mason plumley who came on when nokic was in foul trouble he did pretty well when he was in and then you also had Mount Monte Morris who came up and shot a few buckets whenever required so good depth in the squad as well yeah and uh, if you remember in the in the utah jazz denver nuggets series my favorite adjustment that malone coach malone made so far was uh, moving michael porter to the bench and starting jeremy grant instead because that gives them a huge defensive step up and we had, we talked about this in the jazz series that continues so jeremy grant and gary harris their contributions on defense have propelled them forward so much because it's over and above what you expect from the denver nuggets team you expect a certain degree of hustle from jokic uh, mari will do his thing and paul millsap is excellent but but these two guys that's over and above that kind of put them over the line uh, the defensive hustle of of jeremy grant and and gary harris and then when they give you 28 points at the other end and a combined 11 rebounds it's just all of this is bonus it's surplus to what they what they set out to achieve and and that's in no small measure a huge contributor to to the denver nuggets team doing this well uh, shout out to all the other support guys also mason plumley i thought did excellent i was worried for a bit there um because as kind of rooting for denver what a fairy tale story right when uh, nikola jokic was in foul trouble he had four personal fouls already and it was just the third quarter at the time i thought plumley came in and did a great job uh, until it came to a point where they had enough of a lead that jokic could come back and not be forced to foul each time and and i thought they handled it beautifully after that because he stayed at four fouls for the rest of the game he finished the game with with four fouls only uh, which was a combination of the lead that they had and the fact that uh, the clippers sucked so bad he didn't need to foul them yeah that was it it'll be the denver nuggets first conference final since 2009 where they met also the lakers at that point in time which they lost of course but that'll be interesting and we'll preview that game as we get closer to that but what about the clippers this is doc rivers uh, second 3-1 choke job uh, he's the only coach to lose more than once after being 3-1 up uh, the clippers have put together this this crazy crazy squad that goes all the way down deep they don't have any draft pick for the next foreseeable future kawhi leonard uh, is there paul george is there but what do they do with the rest of the gang yeah this is actually doc rivers third uh, screw job everyone forgets the old one there's one in 2005 with with five or six with the orlando yeah. magic and then two epic screw jobs with uh, with the clippers both when they had you know red hot title favorite badges 
this season more so than ever this is one of the all time great choke jobs because very it's not very often that you have a team that's this hyped this favored this unanimously picked by all of the sports media including those that decide the mvp race and all of that touted as hot favorites to win the title and then crash out like this in this fashion uh, the last time anyone did that was 2016 when in the finals the golden state warriors kind of got showed up by by lebron and the cavs but outside of that i can't think of a title favorite that uh, that pissed away a 3-1 lead like this so um i i think heads will roll i think that's the easy outcome here you don't bring a guy like kawhi leonard you don't trade everything that you have for the next 6 7 years to bring in paul george to settle for this this garbage performance right because this was a 46 win team last year anyway they went to the playoffs clippers one round that's it that's your major improvement after bringing in two all world players and surrounding them with a stacked house of talent that's pathetic i think the coach has got to go he's had six what seven years now in in the clippers not once has he gone to the conference final and it's not like he's done a rebuild job or anything he had amazing teams he's had two sets of outstanding squads um i am not i'm really not sold on doc rivers honestly he won he won the title once that's the only thing he has going for him he won the title once and there seems to be a lot of uh, aura that kind of has been residue residual from there but he won that title with the big four celtics that squad it will be a crying shame if you don't win the title uh, defense and offense kevin garnett paul pierce ray allen rondo all in their prime come on but outside of that and even with that squad he lost another title in seven games to the lakers two years later and then he's been screwing it up with clippers ever since and this is with two elite assistant coaches under him one of them has who has won a championship himself as a head coach tylo with the with the cavs it just blows my mind i think i think he's got to go it's not that he's a bad coach as such but he's just not getting it done here and i think they need a fresh face um, somebody like a kawai i would expect that he would demand for the coach said because it's astounding how little the coach did to help the clippers stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different outcome right that's what they did it was stupidity rank stupidity with all of their coaching iq and prowess and all of that it was stupid um, somebody like a someone who doesn't get get credit a lot is is frank vogel right in in the lakers franchise he's been outstanding this season but as it often happens with with any lebron james coach um lebron his aura his his uh, fame is so far and wide that it becomes a very easy topic for people to talk about and the coach kind of gets neglected why am i talking about vogel because of the adjustments that he makes because of the defensive hustle he brings in you remember when the bubble started the lakers looked hot garbage they weren't shooting their defense was pathetic True. the only team they beat i think was the denver nuggets who rested like their entire starting five for the last quarter yeah from there on Honestly since the playoffs started barring that first game against Portland Lakers have been the best defensive unit in the bubble and this includes an outstanding Miami defense this includes an unbelievable Boston Celtics defense Toronto is not bad they are no scrubs and yet Lakers I think have had the most organized defense in the bubble so far and that's credit to Vogel and that's credit to all of the adjustments that he makes you saw Portland come with with like a, a solid loaded backcourt in Dame and CJ and then two bigs so they had Nokic and they had Whiteside on the court and and the Lakers matched up so they put trees of their own they got in McGee they used Dwight Howard very effectively and they kind of gave 
a sweeper sort of role to Anthony Davis, who has the ability to pull that off. And they knocked it out of the park. Gentlemen sweep, Lakers in five. Came against the Rockets. Game one dropped it immediately. No more Dwight Howard, no more Javel McGee. Lakers went small. Lakers went small. Um, they shut down the lanes for Russell Westbrook, which meant he had to stay on the perimeter. And they literally dared him to shoot. They left him that wide open. Shot, bricked. Shot, bricked. And then with the Rockets, they kind of make it so hard for themselves. Anyway, all they had to do was maintain defensive discipline and the game was this. Um, I did not see any of that from, from Doc Rivers. Against the Mavs, they kind of got through on grit and talent and the fact that posing has got injured and they kind of just, the superstars got them through. Against the Nuggets, they took a 3-1 lead. They played a certain way. The series went 3-2. They played the same damn way. Series was 3-3. They showed up in Game 7, played the same damn way, only like 50% less effective because everyone choked. And in all of this, I saw the coach do nothing differently. It was the same shit. How do you let Jokic, a 24-year-old guy, and Jamal Murray, again 24, 25, whatever their ages are, the, the young, beat you with that same damn pick and roll three games in a row with your careers on the line? The coach has got to go. That's what's next. I don't think there's much else they can do. They can make a few personnel changes here and there, but their core is going to be the same. They're not getting any younger. Pat Bev's old. Lou Williams is 35. Um, Paul George is 31 and he has no shoulders to speak of. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard's legs are going to fall off at any point. So I, I don't know. It's quite a fragile team fitness-wise because the reports are coming out that in the fourth quarter, a lot of players were... Um, we're requesting Doc Rivers to, to have them taken out of the game so they get a few minutes breather to come back. That's how tired they were. And this is after a season full of load management and five months of pandemic break. I, they, they make me sick, man. Clippers suck. I think they need a new coach. I think they need a whole host of changes in personnel, at least the support staff. And if they don't get it done next year, at least the NBA Finals, the NBA Finals, I think Kawhi is going to go. Someone didn't tell Paul George, but Paul George is locked in in the Clippers. Kawhi has an opt-out that kicks in at the end of next year. He can just take a hike. Well, the Clippers can do a whole lot of load management before the start of next season. They get enough time to do that. But before we, uh, before we forget, we also had an, a brilliant game before this. The Celtics and the Raptors taking it over time, putting on a show for the ages. And I really, like I said yesterday, I really hope this one goes to seven because yes, what I saw yesterday was an incredible display of basketball where each team were going at it head to head. If one was shooting three, the other was coming back and shooting three. If one was blocking something, the other team was blocking something. In the end, one had to crumble and it was Bam Adebayo's block that that kind of took away uh, the brilliant game that Jason Tatum had before that. And that is a kind of a block that you will talk for the ages, right? We've talked all about LeBron James's block on Egodala in the conf- in the finals. This was I mean, what is his wrist made of? Jason Tatum clearly was going for the dunk. He was almost there. He thought he had leveled the scores and was taking it to double overtime. But no, Bam Adebayo says, look, not today, I've, I've had enough. Yeah, that was easily one of the most clutch defensive players I've, I've ever seen. Um, I, Magic Johnson said it's the greatest playoff defensive play he's ever seen. That's a bit much because then you get into the... Like, I thought Jordan stripping the ball from Karl Malone going down the other end and hitting that all-world jump shot, crossover, that whole sequence. That that clinched the series. Like, you can't top that. That clinched the series. It clinched the last dance series, 6-6. Six and six. So, um, look, it was phenomenal. And had had Jason Tatum even barely released the ball, that's a goaltend. 
the it's it's there's so many things that could have gone wrong here which is what makes this so next to impossible because the probability that all of these things work in in adbayo's favor is so slim and he still pulled it off it could have been a goal and had the ball been released it wasn't the slightest bit of contact he's going to get called at that stage of the game he's going to get called for a foul for yeah. sure no contact whatsoever clean as a whistle it was inches from the basket his palm was bent backwards i thought he broke it honestly i thought he broke his wrist when when he landed and he was smiling and celebrating with this uh, uh, crowd i think it was who was uh, was next to him um i it, it's it's astounding i don't even think this is something you can coach or practice this is just pure pure instinct this guy was born to defend um is one of those adrenaline fueled a pure instinct reflex stop that he made jason tatum maybe dunk was in the best choice and he's going to think twice when he goes up against adbayo <laughs> anyway from now on but what a, what a clash it was so tight i don't think this will go to game 7 um but i sure do wish it does the miami were kind of inconsistent you could say yesterday right they just caught uh, 18 points in the first quarter uh, they had like 6 out of 22 shoot uh, shots uh, they look like out of sorts and they look like okay they might need some time to come back in the series but no goran dragic took it into his own hands got like 37 points in quarter 2 and just like we thought we had a close game they again went missing in quarter 3 where they just put on 16 points and then an incredible quarter four again where jimmy butler took on the lead and he put on like what uh, they got like 35 points in the fourth quarter celtics were consistent throughout they got high 20s in all the quarters but miami heat were up and down up and down took it till the end and jimmy butler actually before bam adabayo he got a clutch three in regular time and then he got a 2 plus 1 play in overtime this guy is built for moments like this and he showed why yeah he's fearless and that's why i said this might not go to game 7 i'm actually picking the heat um i think i said this earlier also i'm picking the heat in 6 is is what i'm going with only because i think this game was closer than it should have been the way they match up miami's defense has a much better shot of stopping getting a stop getting a key stop on on boston and in general keeping it tight all game through uh, than what the boston celtics defense can do because unlike some of the other teams unlike um toronto that took a guard heavy approach so somebody like a marcus smart could man up square up against someone in the back court and shut them down uh miami are a lot more fluid they move the ball a whole lot more in in the same set play sequence uh, they can have that culminate in either an open three or they can have that culminate in a low post setup for for an adbayo or anyone else who's in there in the paint their ball movement is too fluid it's too versatile uh, for the way the boston celtics defense is set up and right now they're running a bit thin on squad depth which which is their problem so i actually give miami heat the edge for that reason for the culture also that i've always kept mentioning and for the fact that they have jimmy butler who it's just the experience it's the dog in him but it's also the experience and the maturity that comes with with the number of playoff series that he's played um, that gives miami just a little bit of an edge also another reason why i think it was closer than it normally should be is because miami's three shooting was off they were hitting a high percentage but they didn't attempt as many and somebody like duncan robinson hitting 2 and 7 that doesn't happen too often any game that they get that three shooting going it's going to be a, a comfortable win for miami and they are the better three shooting team in uh, in this fixture um so that's going to be 
the second they get that going, because right now in, in the Celtics, it seems like Marcus Smart can't miss a three, but other than that, everyone else is, is nothing great, nothing to ride home about. If that three shooting gets going, it's over. Uh, Miami are clear favorites. But, yeah, interesting series, man. I really don't know which way to slice this other than that. Yeah, the, you had the big guys turn up for Miami yesterday, right? Dragage, Crowder and Butler all getting 20 plus points. Adebayo getting 18 plus points. But for me, again, uh, we spoke about him yesterday. Uh, who impressed the most yesterday was Tyler Hero. He got 12 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. And a bunch of threes, a bunch of shots when nobody expects it. He just runs, takes catches and shoots. And he gets it in. This guy is really incredible. He He's a rookie. He was included in the rookie second team of the year yesterday. He... He seems to have calm nerves, right? For a for a player his age, he seems to be made up for the big moments like this. He does, he does, and and that that's what I love about this team. That's how fluid they are. You have Jimmy Butler leading your offense. You have Dragic that at, on any given day can just go off and get you 25-30. You have Adebayo that's going to guarantee almost a, a fifty in five and five game minimum, and then build on that. He had eighteen six and nine, um, and then you have. This amazing backcourt duo of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero that can sink threes from just about anywhere. Olenek can hit the three. So he's a stretch big. Gives them versatility. Jake Crowder is another stretch big. He's not quite... Uh, Anthony Davis big. But he's a stretch big. He's a forward. And he hit, he hit, he got off. Five of nine from three-pointers. Uh, he, he really made a big-time impact. They've just got too many guys that can hurt you in too many ways because Crowder is going to hit that three, come back, D up against your best player, go back, hit you uh, with some points in the paint, with some post moves. They've got Adebayo, they've got Olenek that can stretch uh, stretch you to the to the outside and free up the lane. And then they've got people like Kendrick Nunn who can uh, make those cutter runs into the lanes and they've got somebody like a Dragic or a, or a Jimmy Butler to hit them with that pass. Or should a defender follow them? Somebody like a Tyler Hero gets open on the on the perimeter, they kick it out and boom, swish. There's just it's too fluid an offense. The last time I've seen, I'm not going to put Golden State in this discussion because there's levels to this and that's a whole nother stratosphere. But the last time I saw something this fluid was um, the San Antonio Spurs team ball offense with with Ginobili and Parker and all of the lads. That that was the last time that I saw a, a team that could hurt you in so many ways, mid range. Perimeter scoring, stretch bigs, uh, bigs shooting the mid-range, low post scoring. And that's why I favor them in the series. What about Jason Tatum? He had yet another 30-point game, 14 rebounds. He's played well. Uh, Marcus Smart has been very consistent, got another 20-plus game. But yesterday, I think, again, uh, and he admitted himself, Kemba Walker went missing. He just got one out of his nine three-point attempts. And he's one of those guys you look for scoring 20-plus points very consistently, right? He went missing. Dominic Thais got fouled out at the end, which obviously was a big factor again because uh, they didn't have the big man at the end where Butler was just, he was just bullying them at the end, asking them to foul them and get those. He, he did get that two plus one play at the end, which kind of clinched it for them. Yeah, and, and uh, I would expect the Heat to be smart about it too. Um, they're going to exploit things like these. Like if they've identified that Dominic Thais is a, is a foul liability, they're going to is, uh, isolate him and um, take advantage of that. They're going to have Adebayo clash with him. They're going to have Jimmy Butler uh, and Dragic attempt shots. And these are all wily cats. All of them can um, can hoodwink the referee into calling 50-50 calls in their favor. That's really the Celtics' problem. They don't really match up very well when it comes to defending this fluid Miami Heat. 
their support is not much. They don't have much squad depth, which makes it all the more difficult when one of their starting five, especially the only kind of orthodox big that they have. When he fouls out, that puts them in deep trouble because they don't really have great cover. They can bring someone in for the sake of bringing someone in, but they don't have great cover. So defensively, they're going to take a hit, which they did. Wanamaker is great on offense. Um, he, he's a great squad player to have, but he's not really the guy that uh, in the last two minutes or three minutes is going to make any difference to the game. And if these games are going to be tight, you need more of those kind of players. And Kemba is one of them. He is, in fact, one of the better clutch shooters. Marcus Smart is playing lights out. I don't think at any point they expected this much from Marcus Smart. They knew he's an elite defender, but now he's giving them 20-25 every game. He's hitting five or six threes every game. If you start tallying up Marcus Smart's threes, it's almost like Jamal Murray numbers. And this from a guy that they wanted to come um, bring off the bench as a defensive specialist. So he's doing this thing. Um, if Kemba and Jalen Brown step up their uh, hustle a bit, they're in with a shot. Uh, but three-point shooting, I think, is where the series is going to be lost. Uh, Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker um, took a combined 21 attempts. And they hit five of those. That's not yeah. going to cut it. Those are also wasted opportunities. Y'all could have maybe uh, passed it around or um, moved in for a higher percentage shot. So not only is that a bricked three, it's also a wasted opportunity for somebody else to get a higher percentage too. Um, that's where they're going to lose the game. That's where I feel, unless they make some adjustments, Miami are going to kill them with ball movement and with their three shooting. All right, that's going to be a close uh, series either ways, right? I mean, uh, two intensely, closely matched teams. And this is a festival if you're a basketball fan and watching this game as a neutral. Really, really Great, great game yesterday. I really enjoyed it. But before we wrap up today's episode, I think today's segment is going to be pretty easy because there are obvious candidates for each of the uh, each of the awards we can say that we give out every at the end of every episode. Your player of the day, and this is going to be a pretty. It's actually going to be a tough choice if you have to pick between Jamal Murray and Jokic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that easy. Um, but Jamal Murray, well played. But Jokic, yeah, any day. Not just this game. This entire series, I think it's been him. He dictated the flow. He is the difference maker. Like we said, Clippers cannot, simply cannot handle a mercurial stretch big like Jokic. They can't handle AD. Jokic Porzingis, I've said this about 10 times now. Jokic was the difference maker. His pick and roll made it devastating. Not only does this guy do well in the pick and roll, but then he can roll off and get his own shot. But because they know he can get his shot, he's going to get double teamed. And then he's got point guard vision. His IQ is next level. Right when he sets the screen, he knows where he's going to go. He knows who he's going to draw. Weak side, strong side support. He knows what are his two options who are going to get open. And he has the maturity to hold on to the ball for just that one second longer. See the defender commit to one of the guys that's open because he's double teamed, remember. So somebody is going to be open. He's going to wait till the defender commits and then he'll kick it out to the other guy. And then trust your teammate and, and God bless them, they made their shots. But but it was Jokic all the way through. He controlled the series. He owned the floor against the Clippers. Um, the Jokers, my man. All right, Nikola Jokic for a second uh, triple double in a game seven. So he deserves a player of the day. Uh, flop of the day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Clippers franchise sucks, and I'm sure it'll get better. But right now they suck. Um, Patrick Beverly, all he does is bark. Montrez Harrell finally had a decent game, but too little, too late. Paul George, 
pandemic p play off p way off p i have zero expectations from anywhere the biggest disappointment in sync with with our consistent calling out of the face of the franchise when push comes to shove if you win great if you lose you're going to be held accountable one way or another and when you are the face of the franchise kawhi leonard coming off of a championship win finals mvp with those new balance commercials and this is kawhi town it takes balls to come into a team like los angeles city like los angeles uh, join the clippers and then say this is your town that, that was a bit much but fair enough good i mean back it up though right because if you are not the whole world's going to come crashing down on you faster than abc and that's what's happening right now he had an atrocious performance it wasn't that he didn't do enough to win he was miserable he had the kind of numbers that if kyle kuzma puts up the lakers will think hey, okay it's an average maybe slightly above average game easily my flop of the day and just as a tidbit at the end take paul george combine his numbers with kawhi leonard take that combined output across the stat sheet as one player assume that was lebron james if he did that in a game 7 their combined numbers he would still get lambasted if he lost that's how bad they were um and that's that's just pathetic and that's the same standard anyone's going to be held to be it yanis lebron kd so it's not like there's bias here kawhi leonard was my flop of the day um he was pretty terrible even in the previous game so easily justified absolutely this is very rare for us to criticize kawhi leonard because he rarely has off days but he did it on a big big day so kawhi leonard a flop of the day i, I think uh, no debate about that play of the day this is going to be easy yeah yeah it's it's too easy that's the play of the decade so far um barring <laughs> barring lebron james's chase down block which just for the magnitude is better but uh, i mean the scale of the moment that's better but Adebayo's block that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, it has to be Adebayo's block. I mean, his wrists are made of steel or something because I really thought they broke as well. And, and it was the that, game winner, so that's a dagger of its own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Adebayo Adebayo with our play of the day and we had another long episode because lots to talk about. Uh, we had incredible criticism of LA Clippers, well deserved criticism of the LA Clippers and I thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll do this again tomorrow. We'll have a special episode we'll we'll look at the best moments in the bubble so far before we reach the conference finals i mean we are one game into the conference finals but there's a long way to go yeah absolutely this stage of the playoffs let's uh, it's going to get a little long guys if you're listening it's going to get a little lengthy now at this stage of the playoffs um but but do do hit us up on twitter instagram let, let us know if it's if it's a little too long for your comfort we'll see how we can solve for that but if you're enjoying this great nothing like it keep those comments coming on dms and um thank you for tuning in monish thank you as always Uh, see you guys tomorrow. See you.